Thank you, Rachel. Let's take our Bibles, if you would, turn with me. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Malachi, in your Bibles, Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. What a wonderful message in that song, that our sins have been washed away by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, as Rachel was singing that, I was looking out at some of you, and, uh, but thinking of all of you, and I just think of what's represented in this room. And uh, all of us sinners uh, in desperate need of a Savior, all of us born into this world sinful, uh, destined for hell for all of eternity, and right, rightfully so, justly so. And, uh, and yet God sent his Son into this world to become our sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God. And uh, I'm, I look out at you as she was singing that song, and I was just thinking about uh, how much we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how thankful I am to him for saving not just me, but for saving you as well. And uh, how thankful I am for that. Um, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture first, uh, back in 1 Samuel It's our theme verse for this year, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 30. Um, it is written, God says this, he says, Them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You remember the theme verse? It's probably on your refrigerator if you don't have that. Uh, there still are many left over in the foyer. I hope that it has our church calendar on it, and it has a, a set of scales, um, a graphic of a, a set of scales. And you remember we studied this word, honor, and it has the idea of to give weight to. And every day as we go through our lives, we can make decisions where we give weight to what God says, or we can, give, we can make decisions that give, gives weight to what our world says around us. Or we can give weight to what the Spirit of God within us is saying, or we can give weight to what our flesh is saying. We can do what our flesh desires and give weight to that, give more weight to that, or and less weight to what God says, or vice versa. And really, in every area of our lives, as we go through life, we are faced with these decisions. Am I going to honor God, or am I going to honor myself? Now, Rachel's saying about being justified and... Uh, we were born into this world sinners. We needed to be justified, declared righteous. We needed to be saved by the blood of Christ. Many of us in this room are saved. We have received the salvation of God. Heaven is our home. We're just passing through this world, and yet we still face a battle, a war between the flesh, our own flesh, and the Spirit of God who lives within us. And so every day as we go through this life, we can either choose to honor God or we can choose to honor self. And I would ask you this morning, where are you in this, in this battle? In Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience, that's endurance and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Uh, one of the things that's so sad in life is when a, when a person loses hope. Uh, and, and there are times where a person will face tremendous hardship and tremendous difficulty or loss. 
or sickness, or perhaps it's financial, and uh, sometimes it's family, and it's terrible when a person loses hope. And when we read through the Word of God, we find people, uh, their lives are written about, portions of their lives are emphasized, hardships that they faced are communicated to us, And if you're anything like me, when you read through some of these portions of Scripture, you read about some of these stories that took place throughout human history, you realize that you're not alone in going through hardship. You're not alone in being tempted. You're not alone in being tested and tried. Your faith being tested and tried, and it's encouraging to us. And I want to look at a passage in Malachi, and that's where you are in your Bibles. Um, It's just to the left of Matthew. Uh, It's the last Old Testament book. And uh, Malachi, when you look there at Malachi, we find that there is um, is a situation that's taking place. God's people have have walked away from him. They've forsaken him. They've gone their own way. They've They've chosen not to honor God, but to honor self. And and this attitude of self-honoring had so permeated the society of Israel, God's chosen people, that it had even infiltrated the temple. And it had even infiltrated the priesthood that had been ordained by God under the Old Testament law. And, um, and, And these very men who were supposed to be pointing people to God and and leading people to worship God and honor God and love God, these very men were honoring themselves and they were not, they were not honoring God. And it was having a terrible influence on the society in which they were living. The whole society had gone after idols. They were worshiping idols. And so I think there's a number of truths we can learn from them in their situation that would be helpful to us in our day and age. And the question is, are you honoring God? Um, You remember, as we've studied this theme uh, a few times throughout this year, we saw that honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. It really is impossible to honor God without presenting our best to him. He is God. There's no one else like him. Sometimes when we think about church, we think more about people than we do about God, and that would be a wrong perspective on church. Honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. We also notice that honoring God means that I must keep God as the one that I please. Who who are you seeking to please in your life? Right now where you sit, who is it that you seek to please the most? Is it you? Is it your wife? Is it your husband? Is it your family? I mean, as you you examine your life, as you ponder your life, who is it that you're seeking to please the most? Because if we're going to honor God, it means that I need to keep God as the one that I please no matter what. The third truth that we've noticed throughout this year is that honoring God involves accepting life's challenges. You can't just cut and run. You can't give up. If you're going to honor God, you're going to have to take him at his word and do what he says. You're going to have to take up your cross, and you're going to have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ to the honor and glory of God. And sometimes honoring God is incredibly hard. I would say most of the time it is hard, it is challenging to honor God. Now, it can become a discipline in life. 
It can grow easier as a discipline. However, there are always going to be things that you and I are faced with that are going to present us with a tremendous challenge if we're going to honor God, if we're going to bring glory and honor to him. Look at our text, Malachi chapter 1. I'm going to read in verse number 6. I'm going to read down through the end of the chapter in verse 14. And, and I think you'll notice as we read that the people of Israel, and especially the leadership, the priesthood, were not honoring God. And, and we'll see what takes place. We'll see how God sees it. Look at verse number 6 of Malachi chapter 1. It says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And that could be the title of the message. Where is my honor? God might ask every one of us. Where are you honoring me? Where is mine honor, he says. And if I be a master, where is my fear? Do you not fear me, he's asking? Set the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? So God asked the priest, He tells the priest, you're despising my name. You're pulling down my name. You're minimizing the importance of my name. And notice how the priests respond to God. Wherein have we despised thy name? Basically, they call God a liar. We haven't despised your name. (laughs) Now, who do you think is right and who's wrong here? God's right. But they don't see it. Look at verse 7. God continues, ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. They viewed God's best as contemptible. Verse 8, and if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, uh, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. Now, this was their ministry. We could say this was their job, but it was their service to God, and they wouldn't do it if they weren't paid. God says, I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what weariness is it? They're talking about serving God, how it's so tiresome and wearisome. We have to do this. And notice it even, God even says, and ye have snuffed at it. Do we really have to go? Do we really have to sing? Do we really have to serve? Have you ever been there? Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. They were there. And God's saying all of this to them. And he goes on to say in verse 13, the middle part, And ye brought that which was torn, 
and the lame and the sick. He's talking about the sacrifices. Thus he brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, said the Lord? You've brought me something that isn't worthy of me, God says. You're not bringing me your best. You're bringing me your leftovers. You're bringing your offering to me, God says, what nobody else wants. You wouldn't offer this to your employer. You wouldn't offer this to your government. But you'll offer it to me, God says. Verse 14, But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificeth sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Let's pray together. And as we do, let's ask God to search our hearts to the question, am I honoring God, the honor that is due him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we pause from our series on Ephesians to consider the theme for this year of honoring you. Father, it is our privilege to be able to be used at all to bring honor to you. And Lord, I pray that it would be so. So help us as we look at these, your people from the Old Testament, who did not honor you. And Father, I pray that we would see how we can honor you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this area. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The Bible says a lot about honoring God. In Psalm 29, in verse 2, it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. In Psalm 57, verse 5, he says, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory, let thy honor be above all the earth. In Psalm 71, in verse 8, the Bible says, Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. In Psalm 145, in verse 5, the Bible says, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. You know that before we received Christ as our personal Savior, before we were born again of the Spirit of God, before we were, we were birthed again into the family of God, we were aliens from God by wicked works. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We deserved hell for all of eternity, and that is where we were headed. And we lived lives that were not honoring to God. We lived our lives according to the course of this world. Uh, we lived our lives however we felt. We, we spent our money how we wanted to. We bought what we wanted to. We went where we wanted to. We, we said what we wanted to. We did whatever we wanted to in our marriage relationships, in our child rearing, and as children to our parents, and in the workplace. If it benefited us and our reputation, we did it. We lived for our honor and our glory. But since God has saved us, We're gathered here. We gather ourselves together. God has gathered us together as a church, as a called-out assembly of born-again believers. And we have the privilege, us, we who used to be dead in sins and aliens from God and rebels of, of God, we now have the privilege to bring honor to God. So that when people look at us and see our lives and hear our words, that people then are pointed to God Almighty and God is pleased and God is honored and God is glorified. The book of Malachi, and I don't have much time for this, but Malachi is the last of the Old Testament voices. 
in the Old Testament. And he, his, he was calling for his people to make their paths straight. In other words, to, to get on the right path. To live in a way that would be pleasing to God. Malachi's name simply means my messenger. Think about that. Malachi, this Old Testament prophet, his name means my messenger. He was God's messenger to God's people. God's people were not, they were not honoring God. And the message that Malachi had to deliver to his people was a burdensome message. It was a hard message to, 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 to speak. There are uh, three truths I want to notice on this matter of honor from Malachi. And they're truths that I think that could be very helpful to us in our day. The first truth I notice is God confronts his people about their dishonoring him. And really, God asks a question. He says, where is my honor? Where's my honor? Are you honoring me? Malachi, look again at chapter 1 and verse number 6, and notice God's confrontation of his people. Verse number 6 of Malachi chapter 1. God says, through Malachi, a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. You know, if you want a job, and you have an employer, or somebody you're working for, a supervisor, if you want your job, if you value your job, you honor your authority. You do. Uh, You can imagine going into the workplace tomorrow and just dishonoring your employer. Don't do what he says. Don't value what he says. Do the opposite. Do what you want. And this is horrible advice, right? You probably won't have him as your employer very long. Usurp his authority. Just rebel against him. If they have times from which you're supposed to work, just show up whenever you want and just tell him, I'm going to do it my way. I'm coming in on my own time. Or, I'm working from home today. Really, trust me, I'm working from home. Uh, You wouldn't have a job very long. We would see that very much as dishonoring. Uh, So to a son who would dishonor his father, he doesn't give value or weight to what his father says, and his attitude toward his father is arrogant. And and God says to his, his people, Israel, a son honoreth his father. A servant honors his master. If then I be a father, God says, where is mine honor? Are you giving weight to what I'm saying? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Are you fearing me? Are you living your life like I exist at all, God could say? The decisions that you're making, what you're harboring in your lives, in your marriage, Are you living your life like you're going to stand before God someday and give an account to him for everything that you're going to say? Where's my fear, God says. And he says, though he said, the Lord of hosts unto you. And then notice how he speaks to the priests. Now, these are Old Testament priests. Um, The Bible teaches the priesthood of the believers. In other words, for you and for me today, we who are saved, you can pray to God while you drive down the road in your vehicle. Right? You don't have to close your eyes even. I don't recommend it if you're driving. Um, but you and I can pray anytime, any place, anywhere. You don't have to come to me and say, Pastor Ferguson, uh, I would like to confess some sin. And here's what I did. Could you confess my sin for me? No, please don't. You, you go to God as a child of God, as a, a priest in God's house. 
And you go to God and you worship Him and pray to Him and thank Him and praise His name. And you, when you sin, confess your sin to God. God calls us the priesthood of the believers in the New Testament. And every one of us, every child of God, is a priest. God calls us a priest. We can go directly to God. We have direct access to Him. In the Old Testament, these men had been given a position. They were priests. And they would, they would take the, the animals that the people of Israel would bring and they would sacrifice them and, and they would make sure they themselves were clean and right with God through ceremonial cleansing. And it was all a picture of a holy God and sinful men and how there needed to be a mediator between holy God and sinful men. And of course, it was a picture of the man, Christ Jesus, who is the mediator ultimately. And he's the one who has made the way so that you and I can go directly to God. Because without Jesus Christ, nobody could go directly to God. No sinful man could go directly into the presence of a holy God. That would be an abomination. And God would not accept it. But through Jesus Christ, we have access to God. These men were not right with God. Look again at verse number 6. He says to the priest, O priest, that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? So God tells them, you've despised my name. In other words, God was saying to them, you think little of me. You do not think of me, God, what you ought to think of me. You've minimalized me. You've brought me down. You don't think much of me. And we all should answer the question here this morning, do we think... When we think of God, do we think of him as we ought to think of him? Do we think of him as high and lifted up? Do we think of God as holy? Do we think of God as righteous? Do we think of God as just and pure? Do we think of God as omnipotent, all-powerful, and all-knowing, and everywhere at once? Do we think of God for as he is, or have we minimized him and brought him down to our level? And, and I can't help but noticing how these priests, they respond to God, and they disagree with God. Oh, oh friend, this morning, I, I pray that if you are, have been despising God, if you've been saying, you know what, I know he says this, but it's not that important, and I'm not going to do it. When we do that, we're despising him. We're minimizing him. When he gives us clear instruction and we disobey it, we do that only after we despise him and we bring him down. How would you respond if God spoke to your heart this morning by his spirit and said, you've been despising me? You've been letting these things into your life because you're thinking little of me. And you really should make application in your own heart, but you've been, you've been watching, you've been setting things before your eyes that are wicked and vile, and you've been excusing it because, well, I'm just a man. But the real reason you're doing it is not because you're just a man, it's because you're despising my name. You think that as a holy God, I'm just okay, I'll be okay with it and I'll overlook it and there will be no consequences for it. No, no. The reason you're doing it is because you don't worship God and you do not fear God. That's why you do it. These were the priests. And God's message to them was, you're dishonoring me. That's kind of a fearful message, wouldn't it? Isn't that, would that be a fearful message to receive if God spoke to you and said, you aren't honoring me? Ooh, that's kind of a knee knocker. It ought to be. 
It ought to be your dishonoring. And so as the book begins, God confronts these priests who were, they were supposed to be protecting his name. They were supposed to be exalting his name and praising his name and leading all these millions of people to worship God's name. They weren't doing that. Why? Because they themselves were dishonoring God's name. They were degrading his name. In other words, these priests were giving no weight to God's word. These priests were giving no worth to God's name. And they were giving no consequences to disobedience. There are several marks that I noticed in this this book of Malachi of dishonoring God. And I want us to see them in the context. Look at verse number 13. And and before we read the verse, I'm going to give you all three marks here right up front so you can see them as we read through the scripture. The first mark is their service became a drudgery. Their service became a drudgery. Was it a privilege for a man to be a priest in the temple, yes or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It was a big privilege. It was an honor to be a priest in God's temple. But their service became, do I have to really do this? It's not that important. Secondly, I'll notice that their sacrifice became despicable. Despicable to God. The sacrifices they were bringing to God were despicable to God. They were, they were revolting to God. And we'll ask ourselves the question this morning, what, what about our sacrifices? What about the sacrifices we're making for God? The third one is their attitude was very defensive. And you've already seen that a little bit just in one verse. God says, you've despised my name. And they go, where have we despised your name? Have you ever been in authority and you've gone to your employee and you've said, hey, you've done this and this and this. I need you to change that. I need you to do it this way. And they go, I didn't do that. It's just not a good feeling at that moment. It's called being rejected. Well, hey, it's one thing for us to reject a person. It would be wrong to reject God-given authority and the leadership that God's placed in our lives, our parents, or other God-given authority. It certainly is horrific when we reject God. Look at this in verse number 13 of, of chapter 1 of Malachi. Notice their service was drudgery, became a drudgery to them. God says, ye said also, behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. Their ministry became a weariness to them. They were tired of it. Do I have to do it? Do I really have to wear this? Do I really have to be there? Come on. God doesn't care. Did God care? Yes. Does God care what we do now with the life that he's given us and the salvation that he's entrusted into our care and his Holy Spirit living within us? Does God care what we do? Yes, he does. Oh, he does. So much so that he's going to hold us accountable for what we do. He does care. Now, for some in this room, this message can be a wonderful encouragement. It should be. It ought to be a wonderful encouragement. Because you haven't grown, your service hasn't become a drudgery. It, 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 you, you're right with the Lord, and it, there are times where you're, you're physically tired, but you, you, it, you uh, are worshiping God. You're, you're, uh, you're not dishonoring Him. You haven't degraded His name, and so it's a privilege. This morning as I sat here in this chair and listened to you all sing and 
I looked out in this auditorium. I was reminded, Seth, it is a privilege to pastor. It is a privilege to preach your word. It's a privilege. But when we start to despise God, service becomes a drudgery. Notice there again, snuffed at. They snuffed at it. Seth, the Lord of hosts. I find it a little unique that when I think of the Lord of hosts and his greatness and his glory, he uses the terms snuffed at it. But that's what they were doing. And again, the word snuffed at it means to exhale loudly as if to show disgust. Has your child ever done that to you and you said something? No, you're not going out with them. Have they ever done that? I think I did that once. No, I probably did it more than that. You know, we actually don't have to do it out loud like that. We can do it inside. And sadly, it's not just children who do that when their parental authority tells them what to do and gives them instruction. It's also we as people in general. It's not relegated to teen, the teen years or juniors. It's something that we as adults do. It's something that we as leadership in local church can do. These priests were doing this. They were doing it. You know, the priests, they wouldn't even shut the doors of the temple uh, without getting paid. They wouldn't light the fire on the altar unless they were compensated. And God says, I have absolutely, I'm receiving absolutely no pleasure in what you're doing. You won't serve me unless you get paid. Wow. Their service was a drudgery. I also notice that their sacrifice was despicable. So the question for us is, how about our sacrifice? Is my sacrifice honoring to God? Because not every sacrifice is honoring to God. Look at verse number 7 of chapter 1. He says, Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. On that particular altar, and that particular sacrifice, that bread was to be There were specifics that God had given. It was supposed to be an offering to God that was worthy of him. But they're offering polluted bread. Bread that nobody else wanted. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Think about that. The table of the Lord, God's God's system is contemptible to me, is what they were saying. Verse 8, and if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? Some are bringing in blind lambs. and they weren't, they weren't what God had asked for. It's evil, God's saying. And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Give it to your government. Give it, give it to pay your debt. Do you think they'd receive it? Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? God says, saith the Lord of hosts, and now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Up uh, earlier on, I think it was in verse number 9, he asked the question, will, ye, will he, will God regard your persons? You know what that means? Will God accept your unworthy sacrifice because of who you are? 
Don't, he said to the priests, don't you dare think that just because you hold an office of authority and leadership, that you can offer this which is contemptible to me, God says, and I will accept it. I am not, and we know this from God's word, God is not a respecter of persons. He is just. He is not fair. God is just. And we learn some things about God's character here. You know, the people were offering that which was polluted, that which was blind and lame. The people were involved in a manward service. It was a manward service. It still was good enough to please and uh, meet the approval of other people. To impress people. It was still good enough to impress some other people. But it was manward. And, and these priests and these people were short-sighted. They, they should have viewed every offering and every act of service as upward to God, not manward. Hold your place in Malachi, if you would, and go to, with me to Romans chapter 12, the book of Romans chapter 12. And I want you to look at a couple of passages in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12. And as you're asking yourself the question, is your sacrifice, is your love for God honoring to him? And as we, even as we've talked about the roles of the husband and the wife over the past couple of weeks, we've seen that without sacrifice, there, it really isn't love without sacrifice. So as you think about your sacrifice to God, and I know we're not living in the, under the Old Testament uh, law and temple but we still see the character of God. Is your sacrifice despicable? Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He's talking to a local church. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and it's only by his mercy, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's not unreasonable. Are there ever times in a believer's life where they, you reconsider the sacrifices you're making for the Lord and you say, you know, are these really necessary? Is this really important? You know, no, they wouldn't miss me if I'm not there. Or they wouldn't miss it if I didn't give. Or There's enough other people to serve and to minister and fill those ministry needs. And, you know, somebody else will write that card of encouragement. Somebody else will pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I'm praying for you, or shoot off a text and just say, hey, I'm praying for you, I love you. Somebody else will do it. It's only by his mercy that we can present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, it's reasonable. It's not unreasonable. It's very reasonable. He's not asking too much. You know, when, when I was 16 years old, I, I believed that God, at that point, um, I was 16 years old when I believed God had called me to preach. I remember talking to Pastor Saunders about it, and he gave me the chance to preach. My first message was six minutes long, and you wish that you could hear that message. Six minutes. I, there probably was a lot of heresy in it. I don't know. I don't know if I told you this, but the second message I preached, and the pastor gave me a hard time about preaching six minutes, you know. And so the next message, I was determined I would not preach six minutes. And so I poured over the Bible, and I wrote down all kinds of scripture, and I had, I think, 11 pages of notes. 
and I preached over an hour. And, and those of you who were here may never have forgotten it, or maybe you slept through the whole thing, I don't know. It had to have been misery for you. But you know, when God called me to preach as a 16-year-old boy, there wasn't much sacrifice that was required of me. It was just a matter of, okay, Lord, you may be leading me to preach your word. That's all I knew. But in the years that have followed, to continue to preach God's word has required some sacrifice and some hardships. And some pain. And yeah, there are moments, just like in your life, where you sit back and you go, is this really worth it? You know, does this, does this really, you know, somebody else can do this. They wouldn't miss me. And I want you to know something. It is a reasonable service to serve God Almighty. Wherever he has you, to the highest level, with all of your heart as unto God. You know that God actually made our bodies to serve him and worship him? Look over with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. Actually, go, stay, stay, yeah, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. This morning, the kids were eating breakfast. I was at the kitchen table, and I had my message out, and I was writing some things along the side, and Cindy came up, and she said, are you adding things to the message? First Corinthians chapter 6. Notice verse number 13. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 13. And I'll read down through verse number, verse number 20. Notice the latter part of verse number 13, the middle part. He says, now the body is not for fornication. Your body is not for immorality. My body is not for immorality, and the body is not fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by his own power. He's talking about God being, Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, you and I being raised from the dead. Verse number 15, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Think about that. Don't you know that your body, your body is a member of Christ? Christ's body. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? Should I use my body to serve something else? God forbid, he says in verse 15. Verse 16, he says, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And then look at verse 18. Flee fornication. Pornography is rampant in our generation. Immorality is rampant in this society. And he says it, flee fornication to church members, he says it. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Don't you know that you're actually destroying yourself? There are studies in secular universities that are now, they're giving evidence that those men involved in looking at pornography are literally destroying their minds. That is not the worst of it. Look at verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 
which ye have of God, God's given him to you, and ye are not your own. You don't belong to you, for ye are bought with a price. And what was the price that we were bought with? Someone tell me. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the price. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Honor God. And that's the message this morning. With your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Should we honor God when we come into this room, when we sing together? Should we honor God, yes or no? Yes. Should you honor God in your home, in your marriage, in your home with your kids? Should you honor God there? Yes. Should you honor him in the workplace? Yes. He says it this way, honor God in your body. No matter where you're at, no matter who you're with. I went on a little a trip with some of the guys in the church over this week. Just an overnighter. And I drank a Mountain Dew while I was away. I don't drink a lot of pop anymore, but I drank a Mountain Dew while I was away. Sometimes we get in our minds the attitude, you know, we'll, do, we'll, you know, we'll hold to these standards or, or we'll follow God in these areas of our lives, in church, in, in our marriage, and in our home. But, and then when we go on vacation, well, we're going to take a break from it. We don't have to honor him there. And you and I are responsible to honor God in our bodies, period. And we can. That's the wonderful truth. We can. You and I can do this. God can be honored in me. He can be honored in you. And he wants to be. Look back to Malachi, if you would. Notice, notice also in chapter 1, they were defensive. They were defensive. So their service was a drudgery. Their sacrifice was despicable. You know, Colossians 3 tells us, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. In Matthew 25 and verse 40, the latter part, Jesus said this, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. You see, I, my, the sacrifices I make, that you make for the Lord, Christ says, when you do it, when you love these people, when you love these people, when you serve them, you're serving me. You're, you're serving me. When you serve the body of Christ, you're serving Christ. Also notice their attitude was defensive. How's your attitude? You know, every time that God confronted their sins, they became defensive with God. Listen to their arrogant responses. Look at chapter 1, verse 2, the latter part, uh, or the beginning part of chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, God says, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? They disagree with God. Look at, look at Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6, the latter part. Verse 6, the latter part. He says, Set the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? We're not doing what you're, te- what you're saying that we're doing. Look at verse number 7, the beginning part. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? Look at verse number 17 of chapter 2. Look over to chapter 2 and verse 17. The beginning part of of, chap- of, of Verse 17, chapter 2 of Malachi. God says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied thee? Look over to chapter 3 in Malachi. Chapter 3 of Malachi, verse number 7. Verse number 7. And look at the latter part of verse number 7. God says to them, Return unto me, and I will return unto, uh, uh, unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? And it's as if to say, what do we have to return from? 
Look over to, uh, still in chapter 3, look at verse number 8, the beginning part. God asked them, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? They're still disagreeing with God. And look at verse number 13 of Malachi chapter 3. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. The things that you're saying are in disagreement with me. God says, yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? And over and over again, we see uh, they were dishonoring the Lord. They were dishonoring God because their service was, had become a drudgery. Their sacrifices were despicable. They weren't giving God their best. Friend, give God your best. Christian, give God your best. Give God your best when you come and gather with the believers. Last night when I was putting the, the, the kids to bed... I went upstairs with them, and oftentimes Cindy will do it, sometimes I'll do it. And I remember last night I went up there, and we all met in the boys' room, and, and I asked them all, you know, what, do you, what, are, what are some things you're thankful for? And they all give one thing they're thankful for. And then I said, okay, what are some things we should pray for? And they all give one thing we should pray for. And last night we prayed for the Toman family. Uh, I think Tori mentioned that, and um, I think Ian mentioned church services tomorrow. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. He's an 11-year-old boy, and he's being trained to prepare himself for tomorrow when the church gathers. That's a good thing. Every one of us in this room should do that. We should. Don't just come. Give your best to the Lord. Prepare. Prepare for him to move in your heart. Pray for yourself. Pray for me. Pray for your Sunday school teacher. Pray for the choir. Pray for the music. Uh, confess sin that's, that's known to you at that time. And say, Lord, thank you for the privilege of gathering together with your people and prepare to meet. Give of your best to the Lord. We, my point in that is we can, we, can, we can give our best to God in different ways. Some of us aren't giving at all in certain areas. In certain areas, we're not giving at all. We, we've, we've shut things down. And others, uh, you're giving, but are you giving your best? Or are you giving with, in drudgery? And what about your attitude? How's your attitude? When the Lord speaks to you and, and, and confronts you with something, and you know what you're doing isn't necessarily the best, well, how do I respond to God when he confronts me and he brings conviction to my life about something that I should do differently, something that is sin in my life? What, what's my response? Their response was, yeah, whatever. That's not true, God. Does God speak the truth or not? He does. They should have responded, Oh, wretched man that I am. God, please have mercy upon me. God, would you forgive me and cleanse me and deliver me from these things? They didn't respond that way. Notice then the consequences of their dishonoring the Lord. Look at chapter 2 of of Malachi. Chapter 2 and verse 2. Because God very powerfully confronts his people with their failure to honor him. And he, res- he, he, he communicates to them the consequence of the dishonoring. Look at verse 2 of chapter 2. He says, If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory, to give honor unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Did you hear what he said? I will judge your blessings. 
And in other words, he could have said it this way, the things that you love more than you love me, they're actually going to become your destruction. The stuff, the hobbies, the things that God has actually given you. I'm not talking about sinful things. The blessings. Your house, your cars, your family. I think we all, when I read this passage, you know what I'm reminded of? God is God. It is not honest and it is not smart to think that I can go through life and dishonor God without there being some sort of consequence. Don't put your family above God. God is God. Honor him. Worship him. Love him. You, you know me well to know I love my wife and I love my children and I have been blessed by God in those areas. He has blessed me abundantly. I'm thankful for the home that we live in. I'm thankful for the vehicles that we have. But none of these things, and this is something I have to continually be on guard against, none of the things that God has blessed me with can be more important than God. And God goes on to say in this passage, Yea, I have cursed them already, I have judged them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. And then he says, I'll even corrupt your seed. Then he goes on from there. The point of, it, of, it, of this is this. In verse 2, he uses the word glory. To give glory unto my name. That word glory is translated honor 32 times in Scripture and other places. And God says, if you're going to fail to honor me, I will turn every, I'll even turn your blessings into curses or judgment. The very seed for farmers that you sow, and it was, a, it was wealthy for a farmer to have seed to sow. And he says, the seed that you sow will produce no fruit. And you know what I'm reminded of? I can choose my sin, but I don't get to choose my consequences. These, these Hebrews, these Jews, had chosen their sin to dishonor God, but they weren't going to get to choose their consequences. And the New Testament application might be found in Galatians chapter 6. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption and destruction. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Is that not something that you long for and that you desire? The everlasting life, the victorious Christian life, a life that is blessed by God, a life that is lived for His glory, a life without regret, a life without shame. That is a life that you and I can live as His children. Listen to how the prophet Haggai addressed the people who had taken good care of themselves but had failed to take care of the house of God. Now read it to you. From Haggai chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You're making money, but you can't seem to keep track of it. It all is just going away. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, the way you're living your life. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little, and when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it, God says. Why, he says, 
saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. Really what he was saying is this, the temple is in disrepair, and you are not honoring me, and you're not taking care of my house, and you're taking care of your house. And look at what, listen to what he says. Therefore, the heaven over you has stayed from dew, and the earth has stayed from her fruit. There's going to be a famine, God says, to his people in Haggai, because you won't honor me. My point is this. The, con- the condemnation or consequence for not honoring God is severe. And you and I don't get to choose where the consequences will fall. And, and I'm, not, I'm not speaking again on anything particular this morning about where you're honoring God or how you should honor God. I'm just saying honor him. If you don't, it's a warning. There are consequences for dishonoring the Lord. Look back to Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, he says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be me meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. God says, prove me, honor me, put me to the test. And I say that to you. Put God to the test. Honor him. Don't, don't let your service to God become a drudgery. Don't do that. If you're a choir member, don't, don't let it become a drudgery. You sing. You, you come and you, you be filled with the Spirit of God and you sing to the glory and praise of God and you count it a privilege to do it. Because there's coming a day where you will not have that privilege anymore on this earth. And as a church member, you come. You come and you gather yourself with your fellow believers and you love one another because it's a privilege that is only passing and it's, not, it's only temporary. It's not going to be here forever. And you love your local church and you love your fellow believers and you give for them and you sacrifice for them and you pray for them and you love them. You do it in your home. You do it in your marriages with your spouse. You do it with your children. Honor God in these areas. Honor God in your finances. Honor God. Put, it, put God to the test. And look at verse number, uh, and still in chapter 3 of Malachi, look at where God finds his, his treasure or those that he honors. Because God offers his people a gracious invitation in here in Malachi chapter 3. And look at verse number 7, the latter part. He says, return unto me and I will return unto you, said the Lord of hosts. Return unto me. You've walked away from me, is what he says. But if you return unto me, I'll return to you. The, the New Testament equivalent of that is found in James. Draw nigh to God, and, I, and he will draw nigh to thee. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to thee. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to heaviness, and your joy to mourning. Return to me, and I will return to you. What an incredible invitation. God says, come back to me, and I'll do the work of cleansing and restoring you. And Malachi, look again at chapter 3 and verse number 2, the beginning part, he says this, For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. 
Look at, look at verse 3 of Malachi 3. And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, those are the priests, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. In other words, God says, you haven't been honoring me, but you can. If you'll return to me, you can honor me, God says. And that ought to be an encouragement to every one of us in this room, because there are times in our lives where we don't honor him. But we can turn away from the sin. Turn away from the areas of our lives where where we've given other things priority. If the service has become a drudgery or if the sacrifice is not pleasing to God, we can stop doing that and we can return to God and he'll return to us. Now listen to how God views those who have returned to him. Look at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16 and we'll close with this. It says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. I thought, that, that's good. And there's even application for New Testament believers in that. Those that fear God, we ought to speak often with one another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, who lived their lives knowing they're going to stand before God someday. And that, uh, excuse me, and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written And that thought upon his name. So we're to be thinking upon God's name, not despising his name. Look at verse 17. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. The word jewels has the idea of treasures. He says, these people who think on my name and speak often with one another and live their lives in the fear of God, they are my treasure. This church should be a beautiful treasure for God's glory made up of people who think on his name often, who live life knowing you're going to stand before him someday, and who speak with one another often and love one another. And God calls them jewels, his treasure. And he says, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. You see, we value our treasure, don't we? Certain things we value, you lock it up, you shine it. Growing up, I had an old 79 Chevy truck. It had, it was front clip was uh, or it was like a, a red color. The doors were two-tone black and gray, and the, the box on it was rusty orange, and it had more rust than orange. And I'd go out there, and seriously, I would wash it by hand in the backyard, and I would wax it. I'd wax around the rust spots. I mean, like holes, rust holes. I would wax around it. It was my treasure. When our house caught on fire... I disappeared for just a moment when I was 16. And you know what I did? I ran out to the garage and backed my truck out of the garage away from the house. Then I ran back in to help my mom get the rest of the stuff out of the house. (laughs) Yeah, I'm your pastor. I've grown up a little. But you know, it was my treasure. You know, things that we love, we care about, we treasure. And I want you to know something. God esteems highly those who honor him. Are you one of God's treasures? You're incredibly valuable to him. So much so he gave his son to die on a cross to save you from death and hell. But are you one of his treasures? A treasure of God is someone who honors him. I want you to be one of his treasures. Honor him. Put him to the test and see if he doesn't provide far above in every area what you could ever ask or think. Let's all stand.